This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hi, loves. Welcome back. I am so excited for today's guest. She is a incredible mother and physical therapist. I know her from my incredible Mama Tribe, Hey Mama. I have the amazing Marina Castellanos. Marina is a physical therapist in Westchester, New York, who specializes in pelvic health for women and children. She's passionate about helping women overcome issues like incontinence, painful sex, as well as preparing for and recovering from childbirth. She's also the host of podcast Pelvic Matters, a show that is dedicated to raising awareness about pelvic and women's health conditions. And Marina and I first connected, it was when I was pregnant with Arlie, she reached out to me and let me know, you know, if I had any questions or any concerns with my pelvic health and all of that, she was happy to help me. And honestly, before, you know, I had Amelia, before I really stepped into motherhood, I didn't really even know about pelvic health and our pelvic floor and how important it is. So I love the work that she's doing, talking about how our pelvics matter. We're going to get to into all things. Marina, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me, Ali. I'm so excited. Yes, thank you so much for being here. So before we like get into like all the questions I have, tell me, tell us all a little bit more about why you, you know, wanted to be a physical therapist, why public health is so important to you for women and children. Like, I, I want to hear why this is like, you know, so important. I know that there is like so many conversations around this, but to you personally, why is this so important? Oh, I mean, I can tell you, um, so I've been a physical therapist for 20 years and I did not start out in public health. Um, I actually started out in the specialty of pediatrics and developmental pediatrics. And I did that for about 15 years. And suddenly I came um, to find myself as a person experiencing severe pelvic pain um, back in 2015. And I was really just so downhearted and just felt really lost about my own situation. And then a doctor recommended I get my own pelvic floor physical therapy. So after going through that rehab experience um, with my own therapist, um, it really inspired me just to switch specialties and start this specialty to help women and also to help children, um, you know, overcoming pelvic health challenges because there really aren't that many of us around. Um, and it's really uh, a specialty that's in need of, you know, more physical therapists to join in. And just going through my own experience with it, you know, when you, when you have pain or when you go through something, you just tend to get this attitude that you don't want anybody else to have to go through it. So so once I actually found help um, from my own pelvic floor physical therapist, um, I was really inspired to just learn more about the specialty and I was really intrigued. So I decided to start taking classes and learning more about the specialty. And ultimately I decided to switch from pediatric um, physical therapy to pelvic health. Um, and it's really been wonderful. I love helping uh, the women to overcome whatever their pelvic health issue is, either if it's incontinence, pelvic pain, um, painful intercourse, preparing for childbirth, recovering from childbirth, you know, things of that nature. Um, so it's been really wonderful and I've been doing that now for about five years. 
That's amazing. So it really came out of kind of from your own experience and it changed obviously the way you handle pain and the way your body, how everything responds. So after that, is that when you decided to get into actual being a physical therapist? Right. So I decided to actually become a physical therapist in general, um, you know, back in my you know, I guess late high school years. Um, so I knew right away that I wanted to be a physical therapist just going to college. And then I thought I would actually be a pediatric physical therapist because I love children um, for the rest of my life. And then, you know, this was a real tangent from my career trajectory when I decided to do public health. Um, but I felt so, I, I just felt called by it. So um, you know, and it's a terrible, it's a terrible comparison to use when you're talking about public health. But after I took all of these classes and really learned about the specialty, like I just caught a bug. And that's really how I can best describe it. Like, I'm just so thrilled when I get to work with patients. And, you know, I really love what I do, um, which is so amazing. So that's really why, you know, I decided to get into this specialty and to kind of, you know, help spread the word about pelvic health and just work with um, women and children because children have pelvic floors too um, and can definitely experience pelvic pain um, just like, you know, women can. Um, and that's, that's just been um, an amazing experience so far. That's amazing. I love that. And I love that you also say that it's so important for children too, because I feel like to be honest, I've heard so much around women in pelvic, you know, floor and public health and this and that, but I really haven't heard much about children. So, I mean, that being said, can you share a little bit more about that and like why you would want to, you know, concern yourself and educate yourself around pelvic health for your children? Oh, absolutely. I mean, from the time that you have a baby and they're just an infant, I mean, the pelvic health really begins then. Um, and it really becomes such an important part, especially from the time that we start transitioning our babies to solids and there is a higher incidence of constipation. I'm sure you've heard lots of moms complain about that, that they can't get their babies to poop and the stress that goes along with that. Um, so it even starts that young. And then when we're potty training, um, you know, there's all different methods of potty training. Um, but I end up working with the children who are a little bit older and maybe have a long-standing constipation, their bowel and, their bowel and bladder habits um, just weren't set up, you know, to the best that they could have been. Um, so then other things emerge because of that. So it's definitely something that you want to take into account is setting up good bowel and bladder habits um, for the little ones because that will help them down the road. So people, grown people, um, men and women, I've always felt that those of us who are more prone maybe to having issues as an adult um, perhaps stem from things that we had occur as, ch as children. So maybe as children, you know, there was, you know, bedwetting and constipation and some things that maybe, you know, we kind of grew out of for the most part, but then other things reemerge as adults. So, you know, I don't know of any studies connecting adult pelvic floor health issues to children. Um, I don't think that exists yet, but I do feel myself that a lot of things that, um, you know, happen to us as an adult really stem from what happened to us as children. So I feel that the more initiative we can take to set up a good pelvic floor foundation for our children will definitely help them, you know, minimize the chance for other issues down the road. Yeah, that's so important. <clears throat> and my daughter, you know, Arlie is almost four months old. And I've noticed like actually this morning, we had a whole poop explosion because she's been like for the last couple of days super fussy. 
because she hadn't pooped and I was like waiting for it and I was trying to like you know wiggle her and like get her to you know have some more like movement so she could you know get it out and it's true I think so many moms especially with babies like struggle with that and you know have you know um not fears but concerns around it and are like you know how come they haven't pooped and what's going on and like we noticed that she was really fussy yesterday and she's a pretty zen baby for like how her personality is and my husband was like use nothing that'll calm her like she just won't calm down I don't understand and then we both like had this like you know moment of like an epiphany of like oh wait when was the last time she pooped you know and it was like oh oh it's been like you know almost two days like oh that's probably why she's so fussy and then sure enough this morning you know she had a massive explosion and now she seems like totally herself again and so like for moms that are listening and have new babies and like do deal with that or concern with that do you have any tips or any kind of like you know recommendations that you could share with the audience that would be important to think about when they are so little sure so when they're that little you know we're talking just a few months old you know what i want to know um when the child is already having you know maybe trouble pooping at that point or some constipation um you know how's the tummy time going how is their muscle activation going how's their strengthening going because Tummy time, I feel like every mom has heard that it's so important. So they're like blue in the face about, you know, the importance of tummy time. But, um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily connected to the importance of, you know, digestion and, you know, getting them to poop because really we need abdominals to have a healthy bowel movement. So for babies who tend to be a little less active or maybe need a little help with their strengthening, um, it may be harder for them to have a bowel movement. Um, so that's definitely something that I want to know if a mom is telling me that their little one is frequently having a lot of trouble, you know, bowel movements, you know, once in a while, if they get backed up, is there, is there a change in the amount of formula intake or something like that? You know, I think that's all within, you know, reasonable limits. And of course you, you always check in with the pediatrician anyway. Um, but in terms of, you know, from a physical therapy standpoint, I always want to know, you know, is the baby active or are they just kind of hanging out on their back all day because, if they are, then that means they're most likely not developing their core muscles um, as they should. And we wanna make sure we get in that appropriate amount of tummy time, you know, depending on the baby's age, cause that will just help move things along. Um, you know, the other tip I have would be, you know, if a baby is spending a lot of time in something like an exorciser, um, you know, some kind of positional equipment when they're only a few months old. I mean, in general, I, I don't recommend that for babies, but also, in terms of digestion, um, if they're not being held in an ideal posture, that can also impact their ability to poop. And to, you know, we want to make sure that um, you know the food is able to get through the digestive system properly and as it should. And sometimes with positional um, devices like exercises and things like that, you know, it's some, it, it might make it a little bit harder, um, even though they're upright and vertical. So it just depends on how they're being held. Um, but definitely, um, you know, speaking to the pediatrician to see if anything else is needed. But in general, like you were saying, Allie, you know, having her move, you know, having her do, um, you know, maybe some bicycle movements with the legs, having her spend some time on the belly, you know, those are great, you know, techniques to help gas come out and to help, you know, encourage the digestion along. Yeah, well, and we're really big on tight time and thank you for sharing that. I know, like, you're right. It's like everyone says it to you till they're blue in the face, like, hey, 
you need to do tummy time, you need to do tummy time. But we're really good about like, she really likes her little lounger that she has this um, Rahu baby that is like this little um, lounger that also helps kind of keep them up and not just like laying down. So they really kind of keep their, you know, muscles moving and going and like keep their head upright and kind of like, I don't want to say forced tummy time, but helps them stay more engaged with tummy time than like laying down and just kind of laying there on the mat. Um, so she's been really good about it. And we do it with her like every morning and, you know, really like a good routine. And, um, but it's just interesting that you say that because she's still, I've noticed, I mean, it's not horrible, but there's just some days where she definitely doesn't necessarily poop as much maybe as you know she should or she's struggling you can tell and then the next day like she has like a full-on explosion or a few explosions and it, you could tell it's been like you know backed up and having an issue so it's just interesting to hear your little tips as far as with like the muscles and and how tummy time is connected and all that because I think a lot of times moms hear tummy time like yeah yeah okay I know it's good for their neck it's good for this but then you know what you're saying is there's so much more connected to it Right, really, because tummy time, it, I mean, it's basically important because, you know, we put babies on their backs to sleep now, you know, we don't put babies on their bellies to sleep, but when they're on their belly is really the opportunity they get to do their strengthening for their trunk. So it's, it is about strengthening their neck um, and getting it to hold their head up for sure, but it ends up kind of moving down the body. So they're strengthening their neck, they're strengthening their trunk, and eventually they're learning how to just coordinate um, their core muscles, and then they practice their rolling, and that helps them to engage their core muscles more. So it, it's all, it all has a purpose. Um, it all has like a developmental purpose for the babies, and then having the ability to, you know, move their own legs around and roll side to side just helps them to get that own gas moving and, you know, get things moving themselves, um, you know, and for the babies who, um, you know, really struggling, maybe have hard stool. You know, I always tell parents too, um, you know, there's nothing like a warm bath to help muscles to relax and, um, you know, help babies to feel a little more comfortable. Because after a while, they get such a tummy ache. Um, you know, you feel so bad to see a baby in pain with constipation. You know, no one wants to see that. Um, so definitely a warm bath to help loosen up the muscles around the bottom and around the anus. Because really what has to happen with your pelvic floor, just like with adults, same thing with babies, um, the anus has to be able to open up to allow you to evacuate stool. Um, so having them in some, you know, warm, comfortable bath just helps the muscles to relax a little bit and it might make it easier for them. Okay. So tips would be besides tummy time and all that would be like really just kind of letting them be on their belly, obviously with supervision this young and moving their legs and just kind of helping them to build that strength to have it move along. So if a mom is struggling with a, a baby that isn't necessarily pooping as much as as much as maybe they should be, those are kind of quick tips to go to, obviously, besides turning to their own pediatrician. Yeah, I would say those are just some quick general, um, you know, healthy lifestyle tips to, you know, help babies who may have some problems with pooping. Of course, you always check in with the pediatrician for more severe um, symptoms to see what, you know, individual unique suggestions that he might make for your baby. But yeah, in general, just for overall health. Um, you know, the tummy time, doing massage, doing the bicycling with the legs, um, those things will all help, um, you know, keep things nice and active for the baby. That's so good to know. And with the massage, Marina, like, is there a certain type of massage or a certain, like, way you should be doing that with your baby? 
I do. So I tend to show people this um, one-to-one, especially adults too, because sometimes adults need their bellies to be massaged also. So um, for adults who experience constipation, it can really make all the difference for them too. So it's definitely something that I would encourage people to, you know, seek out some guidance for um, one-to-one just to make sure they have all the, you know, massage techniques down. But yes, you can definitely do bowel massage um, to help things move along in the large intestine towards, you know, the end, which is basically the the rectum and the anus to help things evacuate more. Okay. And then, so it's called one-to-one. So is that like something that basically you could Google and like somewhat get an idea of like what that looks like visually or... so it's called a bowel massage. So I show people this one-to-one just so I know that they're doing it correctly. Um, but yeah, I, I'm assuming that people can probably find something online. Otherwise, then you would definitely check with, you know, a therapist, you know, near you and to get some, you know, hands-on guidance um, and direction so that, you know, you're doing it right for your baby. Okay. And called bowel massage. Okay. I have to, uh, I'll have to do some uh, Googling because obviously like so many of us are remote still and some people can get in, some can't. So I was just curious if, you know, like from a virtual remote perspective, even for yourself, if someone's working with you, if that's something that you kind of teach one-on-one, like, you know, how they would go about and do a massage like that, that potentially could help their baby. Right. And I do work virtually, um, you know, because of COVID and even before that, you know, for people who are too far away to come see me in office or are too far away for me to work with them in their homes. Um, you know, I've done virtual sessions and it's really great because then, you know, obviously I can demonstrate, I can see them do it to their baby or on themselves if they need to. Um, so yes, that's always an option for people is to seek out support virtually. Very cool. And so going back from, you know, when mom is pregnant and mom is now given birth before babies come and has, you know, issues of poops and everything, like going back, you know, what would you want women and, you know, mamas or, new, you know, new mamas to know about, you know, the public health and, you know, their public floor and why it is so important? Oh my gosh. So we could spend so much time talking about that. So um, <laughs> I really want I would really want moms to know that um, probably the number one thing is that so much of your body changes during pregnancy and it took, you know, 40 plus weeks for you to grow that baby. So when it comes time um, for the postpartum period, you know, just have to allow yourself some grace and be educated about expectations in terms of recovery um, from that childbirth experience and from pregnancy itself. So um, I would say the number one thing I, you know, I tell people or I try to educate people on is what to expect after, you know, that six to eight week, that postpartum period. Um, to me, I'm really seeing a gap in education. Um, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm hoping to improve with my own podcast. But I think women aren't given enough education generally about what to expect, um, you know, after six or eight weeks, we kind of, you know, we go see our doctors for our postpartum checkups. And that's number one, we need to make sure that we're healed. There's no infection, um, you know, that everything looks great. Um, And then usually in that case, the doctor or the midwife will tell us, you know, everything looks good, you're good to go resume activities. Um, But then that's it. So there tends to be a very big lack of education about how to return to exercise, how to return to intercourse. Um, So at that point, that six to eight week point, if 
you know, we're given the green light, but then you're, you're feeling just on your own saying, you know what, I don't feel like I can just go back to everything. You know, that can be nerve wracking and anxiety provoking. So I just really want women to know that there's support um, and so much education to learn about that time period so that, you know, you can return to exercise safely without injuring yourself. Um, you know, it may mean that you don't jump back into your pre-baby workout routine right away, but we have to take things slow. And, you know, there's a way to even ease yourself back into intercourse if that's something that intimidates you and you feel nervous about. Um, so I would say those are probably, that's probably the top of my list is that I just want women to know that there's definitely help for that postpartum time period. Um, and that there's so much more, you know, that to be offered around that time period, especially with um, physical therapists like myself who work with a postpartum population. Um, so I want women to just understand and, and be empowered that um, if things don't feel like they should be at that point, six to eight weeks, like it's okay, there's help, um, you know, and you can definitely, you know, take it upon yourself to seek out, you know, help in your area. Or help. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I think you're right. It's like, there's such a disconnect, like where it's like you go and you get checked and you're like, everything's cool. Okay, cool. I'm clear. Everything looks great. And it's like, that's great. And at least, you know, like, okay, cool. Everything's, you know, safe down there and healthy, but it's true. It's totally intimidating. Like I am 100% not that I'm someone who really truly likes to work out. It's something I'm learning and building as a practice for myself. And it's a very slow one. And I've kind of always been that way because working out has never been something that's really given me um, joy or, you know, made me like feel like I feel good always, but it's just not something I've always made a priority. It's just being real. And so for someone like myself, it's definitely intimidating because it's like, well, I did little things, you know, when I was pregnant and now it's like, okay, well, I, everything looks good. And I had my V back and everything's cool. And, you know, I'm coming up, up to almost, you know, four months here and I haven't done much. I've done like little, little things, but not much because I am intimidated by like, what do I start with and what should I do? And because I still have a little bit of diastasis recti for my first C-section with Amelia, like, you know, like, I don't want to mess that up. And, you know, what does that look like? And then, okay, I, I want to somewhat get, you know, things a little bit healthier down there and, and strengthen my pelvic floor, but I don't want to like, you know, go overboard. And it, you're right. It can be very intimidating. I think for women, whether you're a new mama or not, or you've had, you know, several children, it's like, you have to think about that every single time. And there is kind of this like disconnect of like you go and you get checked by the midwife or the doctor, everything's good. Okay, cool. You know, see you the next time you get pregnant. Right. And really, um, you know, because your doctor and your midwife's job is to, you know, take charge of you medically. They need to make sure that you are medically safe and stable. And that's really important, obviously. You know, they're there to, you know, save our lives when we need them to. So, you know, once it's decided that you're stable, there's just no help really to, um, you know, inform you about what to expect and what's reasonable, what's going to, what can help you determine to be right for you. And like you were saying, you know, you still had some, you know, maybe diastasis recti for people who aren't familiar with that, that's some gapping um, in your mid abdominal area. Um, you've had that from your first pregnancy. And, you know, what is that, what is the impact of that for your second pregnancy and then your postpartum period? So, you know, where do you go to get this information? Um, you know, in America, you know, we don't automatically send women for postpartum physical therapy, even though we should. Um, you know, in other countries, it's an automatic thing that women get. So for here, um, you know, it's really up to the woman to advocate for herself and say, I want to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, even if they don't feel like there's anything necessarily wrong or amiss, but just to go and make sure that 
um, you do have that education about how to get back into exercise, how to resume intercourse, what to do if you have a diastasis, you know, do you want to make sure you want to make sure that your pelvic floor is healing and it's going to be nice and strong to help minimize the chance for, you know, leaking urine and, you know, other forms of incontinence, you know, and things that tend to come down the road with more seasoned mothers. Um, so, you know, I totally understand um, what you're saying, because now I'm a mom too. So I've had to deal with my own, um, you know, diastasis and my own pelvic floor issues that, you know, have been ongoing and I'm a year postpartum. And um, it's really just, it's a process. And, you know, for the best recommendation, the best advice I could give somebody is to just seek help, you know, seek out help from, you know, a pelvic floor physical therapist to just um, talk to and to give you, um, you know, unique and individualized advice on what's going on with you. Yeah, well, because it is so individual, right? Like, it's like, you can't just, you know, it's not one size fits all. Obviously, everyone's births are different. Everyone's recoveries are different. So depending on what your pelvic floor and all of that actually need, like you said, you really have to go and kind of get checked and have everything be seen and know, okay, I can do like these kinds of exercises to work on it. Are there any like, for like the just overall, you know, in general postpartum period, like, are there any specific like exercises or things you should be doing that are pretty much kind of for all when it comes to public floor, or it really is so catered to you going to see a therapist and then finding out what's what? I mean, just in general for your own health, I mean, walking. I mean, walking is the number one exercise that I prescribe to new moms. And that doesn't mean you're going to go out and walk three miles on day one, but you know, can you go out and walk five to 10 minutes, um, you know, without pain, without leakage, and then kind of work your way up gradually from there. So I think it's just about, um, you know, being patient and kind of getting used to a low amount of activity, you gradually increase, and then you see how you feel. Um, you know, because I've had women who called me after kind of getting the clearance from their physician and then jumping back into CrossFit the next week and then they called me up and they said well I just started back at CrossFit and now I'm leaking urine everywhere in the gym and I feel pressure in my pelvis and then they're really frightened that you know they did some kind of damage to something um, because they just weren't informed beforehand that you know even though you're medically clear like this is still a special time where hormones are regulating and you're still recovering just from all the changes that happen to your body during pregnancy um, so it's, I mean, we think about it, it's just, it's wild that we would expect everything to be okay at six to eight weeks when, you know, our bodies went through changes for nearly a year. Yeah, well, you're hundred percent right. But our, but our society kind of tells us that like, oh, bounce back, oh, this, oh, that, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but I mean, they do. So it's like a lot of moms, I think myself included, like feel this pressure of like, okay, I can do this and okay, I can do that. And okay, this is, you know, I mean, I was cleared. So like, it, it must be okay for me to just jump in and do this and do that. And it's like, you just said, you know, for everyone, it's different, even though you're cleared and you're healthy and, you know, your body's good and safe and nothing's like massive. It's still not like where it was before, obviously, because right. you had, you just had a baby or where, however long ago, you just said, it's been a year for you and you're still handling all of that. So I just think there's a lot of like, misinformation and intimidation around the pelvic floor and that postpartum period. And I definitely feel like I didn't even really hear much about that in my first birth with Amelia. And now like I'm hearing more and more with being a second time mom and I'm like, oh, okay, that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. 
Right. And I didn't really hear anything as an expecting mom either. So I went through the typical, you know, childbirth ed classes and all that stuff. And there really was no mention of the pelvic floor and what to do, um, you know, after you've given birth in terms of physically recovering, because that just wasn't their area. So we're really talking about, you know, our musculoskeletal system, um, you know, a physical therapist are really just the best people to help with that. So but, you know, there is help and, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like, um, you know, they're less than because at six weeks, they weren't ready to jump back into course. They weren't ready to jump back into running, um, you know, or if they experienced a little bit of leakage when they were squatting down to pick up their baby. Like there's so much that, you know, we can do to help. Um, and, but the, the biggest thing is that, you know, people tend to feel isolated um, when they start experiencing certain symptoms. Um, and the postpartum time is such a fragile, time anyway for us emotionally. I know it was for me. So um, if I, you know, could tell people out there just to, you know, look for, look for help, look for support, um, you know, get some guidance about properly returning to exercise, get your pelvic floor checked. Um, it's really makes such a difference and it's so empowering um, to understand what's, you know, more about what's going on with your body. Yeah. Thank you for that message. I think again, like a lot of women just kind of need to hear that and need that permission to feel like they're not crazy when it comes to all that because there's so many things when it comes to obviously having a baby and then you know the recovery and the postpartum and I think we're all like learning as we get more and more into like our mindfulness of our health and especially as moms like how important the postpartum period really is and it's like the whole rest of your life basically versus just the pregnancy and everything else. And it's like, I just feel like there's such a disconnect with that. So when you were saying before about um, sex and that being like painful and intimidating, like, I want to hear from you, like, you know, kind of your thoughts around that and why, you know, there is um, maybe so much like fear and anxiety when it comes to first deciding to, you know, have sex with your partner again and be able to, you know, um, go, you know, be vulnerable like that again and, and be like, okay, you know, is it going to hurt? Is it not going to hurt? What's it going to be like? Cause I remember the first time with after Amelia, like I was like, so nervous. I was like, so afraid. I like kind of avoided it. Cause it was like, oh my gosh, like I want to, but I'm afraid it's going to hurt so much. I've heard so many stories. Like, I just kind of want to hear your perspective on that and tying it into, you know, public health. Sure. So I think a lot of um, I think a lot of the issue at first with it, um, at first glance, is just our expectation. So again, we have that checkup, we're told to resume all activity, and then there's no guidance. So, um, you know, if a woman was given the all clear at six to eight weeks, and she says, you know what, like, I just don't feel ready to go back to having intercourse, um, you know, that's okay. But yet, nobody's told her that. So then there's fear there's expectation of what's going to happen with the partner if we're not resuming intimacy right away uh, so there are all those there's all those things that are right up front right and then you know there's the other parts of you know just how is mom's general nutrition and energy levels we're all exhausted in six to eight weeks um, and that can definitely affect the body's ability to relax to self-lubricate you need lubrication in order to have intercourse um, and just in terms of, you know, being fearful about having anything, um, you know, penetrative, meaning, you know, penetrative intercourse, um, you know, for women, I usually tell them, you know, it's okay to just practice intimacy without having actual penetrative sex. 
So let's just get used to gentle, safe touch again. Um, you know, the sensation around your vulva may be a little different depending on the kind of birth that you had. Um, you know, did you have stitches? Did you have an episiotomy or a tear in your perineum? So, you know, I think the best thing um, for women to do also is to get to know her own anatomy again, um, because things are going to be different. Um, even if you had a C-section, I still recommend it because um, along with the C-section also comes other changes. So I always recommend to women that they do some self-exploration, get to know their anatomy, get to know what things feel like. And then if you actually identify a sore area, then you can talk to a professional, you know, pelvic floor physical therapist and say, you know what, like I'm feeling pain here when I touch. So the, I don't want to have intercourse yet until I find out what's going on. Can we treat it? Can you tell me to have you know, pain-free intercourse um, or tell me how to modify things so that sex isn't uncomfortable. Um, and I think those are really um, probably the top things that I discuss with women in session is after we do an examination, um, you know, I just instruct them on in how to resume, um, you know, safe touch with their partners, how to go about things nice and slow. I tell everybody to get a lubricant um, because it's just gonna make things easier. And you always want to buy a lubricant that doesn't have any additives. You want to make sure that it's organic, glycerin-free, and that um, it works well with your contraception if that is a condom, um, you know, for your situation. So that's also, you know, a tip right there. Um, but in terms of pelvic health, you know, once we have a painful experience, like painful intercourse, our bodies are going to remember that. So then the next time you go to have course, you might be a little nervous your muscles might tighten up a little more. So then it may be painful again. So what we want to do is not encourage that cycle, but to really, um, you know, help a woman identify those areas of discomfort and pain or a change in sensation so that she's able to have, um, you know, pain-free and enjoyable intercourse. Because really that's what, um, you know, that's what every mom deserves. She, she deserves to have um, an enjoyable sex life. And, you know, we don't want women to be in pain. Um, so I would say those are probably, you know, the top things that, you know, I discuss in terms of, you know, sexual health and returning to intercourse. Yeah, no. And thanks for talking about it because it is so important. And, you know, I think like you said, like, it's, there's a lot of like, oh my gosh, is it going to hurt? Oh my gosh, you know, what's it going to be like? And there's a lot of like fear behind it or just kind of like, Ooh, you know, I, like, I've had a lot of moms say to me like, Oh yeah, you know, I just do it just to get it over with because I know it's going to be painful until it's not. And I'm like, I totally get that. It's kind of like ripping the bandaid off and just like doing it. But at the same time to what you're saying with like your pelvic health, like there might actually be a bigger picture to that. Right. Absolutely. So if you had, um, you know, stitches that have now healed and you have some scar tissue, um, you know, there's going to be areas that maybe have some tightness in the pelvic floor. So our pelvic floor is refers to a hammock of muscles that go from our pubic bone to our tailbone. So just like any other muscles in the body, um, they can get tight, they can get weak, um, they can lose their coordination depending on what's going on. So after childbirth, you know, if there was, um, you know, tearing and then subsequent like healing and scar tissue, you know, it's good to know what's going on in those muscles because in order to have intercourse, you know, we need to have some flexibility and strength in our pelvic floor muscles. So um, if somebody's experiencing some pain and they're just assuming that it's gonna stop on its own, you know, that's, that's not always the case. Um, you know, so having an internal examination done by a pelvic floor 
physical therapist, which is usually, I mean, very gentle. I'm super gentle with my clients. There's no stirrups, there's no speculum. Um, you know, it's just really for the purpose of identifying somebody's discomfort, you know, and finding out, figuring out why they have it. And then what can we do to alleviate it? So the woman's not, you know, just trying to get through, you know, sex with her partner, because I mean, that's, you know, that's no fun. So, um, you know, we don't want anybody to feel like sex is just something that they have to get through and just get through the pain and, you know, that kind of an attitude, you know, it, it, that's, you know, that's not fair. So, um, so just having that internal work done um, can be really valuable and just finding out what the, you know, the cause of the discomfort is. And then once we find that out, you know, we can work on it to, you know, to reduce those symptoms. Yeah, no, I think that's like really good advice. And I mean, what would you say to a woman who's like literally, you know, they had their baby, they got cleared, everything's good postpartum, and they want to be jump back, you know, into bed, and they're like really, you know, nervous too. Like, what are some of the simple things that they can do to kind of like, I guess, make themselves feel better about the experience? Because again, I feel like when I was in that position after having Amelia, especially after a C-section, I was like so clueless, and I was like kind of scared shitless. Mm. And, and I think that's such a common um, reaction for most women. So just like I was saying, I think number one is you should explore on your own, um, you know, your own anatomy, your own body, see if anything is sensitive, see if anything hurts just when you touch it, because um, that's good information to have. And then have your partner with you, um, you know, practicing safe touching and cuddling and everything else that you want to do. But you know, set your boundaries. If you don't want to do anything penetrative right away, then you don't do it. And you have that discussion with your partner and you say, for now, this is what we're going to stick to. And you agree to it. Um, so that way you're not stressing during your intimate time saying, okay, I feel good now, but you know, what's going to happen when we start to have intercourse and then you're going to get all nervous. So I think having some trials of that is really helpful and reassuring um, for both you and your partner. And then you know, when they feel like it's time to, you know, give actual intercourse a go, um, just using that lubricant, discussing um, speed with your partner, you know, taking things nice and slow is always helpful. And just setting realistic expectations um, and having that great communication saying, you know what, okay, like, we're going to give this a try. But when I say stop, you know, we're going to stop because that means I'm going to, I'm getting some discomfort. So, you know, I don't want women to feel like, they just have to keep going through it, um, you know, because they started, you know, definitely have that communication with your partner. It's really important. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be like that forever. Um, you know, I think that's another thing that people worry about is that if it's painful right now, it doesn't mean it's going to be painful forever. What's going to happen with my relationship. So, um, you know, it's information that you're getting from doing, from doing these um, trials, you know, on your own and then with your partner. So giving those a go, but doing, taking things nice and slow, um, and just having that great open communication with your partner really makes all the difference. It can help, you know, alleviate some, you know, nervousness that you're feeling um, because it's not going to feel the same um, as it did prior to pregnancy. I think that's a pretty safe generalization for most women. Um, you know, right after pregnancy, you know, intercourse is going to feel a little different because your body is different. Yeah, well, and thank you for saying that because I think a lot of times that like, we think like, oh, it's just going to feel the same and like, no big deal, but it's like, again, you freaking pushed out or, you know, had surgery to have your baby. Like it, you know, it's mm -hmm. like one way or another, you gave birth and now, you know, you're jumping back in, you know, having sex. And it's like, 
it is going to take some time for it to feel normal again. And I appreciate that you talk about it so openly and are, you know, so big on that for women, because I think there is such a stigma and also like just this, like, I don't want to say shame, but like, just kind of like this, like, oh, it's something that gets put on the back burner. And it's like, well, it's something that's super important when it comes to the connection with your partner. And I think a lot of women, like you said, are fearful or are nervous or do have anxiety around it. And so it's like, it's totally normal to have all those feelings. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, the, the thing to do when you have that is just to, you know, be your own advocate, you know, seek out help. And, you know, you know, the tips I gave you, I think are really great and applicable to anybody. And then if you feel like you need more help, you know, just seek it out. Um, you know, unfortunately, pelvic floor physical therapy, you know, it's not a household name just yet. So, um, you know, I find that people find me by searching, you know, their symptoms and then kind of stumbling upon my specialty and then they search in their area and they find me, you know, that's the case for a lot of my, my clients. Um, but if you seek out help in your area, you know, you'll find somebody. Um, but there's, you know, there's so much that can be done for this. So I don't feel like, you know, I, that it's necessary for women to kind of suffer needlessly because they feel like they have a responsibility to get back to exactly what they were doing prior to pregnancy, whether it's sex or exercise or whatever, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, I think, you know, everybody can afford to give themselves, you know, a little bit of patience, a little bit of grace. Like, like you said, it's just, it's such a big deal to go through pregnancy and childbirth. And if you had a C-section, that's a major abdominal surgery and it takes time to recover from that. Um, you know, for most other surgeries, you get therapy. You know, if you get um, a broken bone or if you sprain an ankle and, you know, do something like that, like you go for therapy. And, you know, unfortunately, C-sections are a huge abdominal surgery and we don't go for therapy after that. So that's not, it's not a customary thing to be prescribed, but really, um, you know, when you think about it, you know, you're going through the abdominal wall to, you know, get the baby out. It's, it's a big deal and it affects your back. It affects your pelvis. It affects the whole body. So, um, you know, just taking the time to recover, get some help, you know, can really make all the difference. Yeah. I, and I think that you saying that about how, like, you know, especially after C-section two, like, we, you know, we go and do all these things when it comes to, you know, getting something done for our body, whether it's cosmetic or something we had to have happen because of whatever happened. And it's like, we don't think about the recovery and what it actually takes to maybe recover. And our society doesn't tell us to like do that. So for you as, you know, being so heavy in the pelvic, you know, space and being so passionate about it what would you want people to know when it comes to, in general, as a broad scope, when it comes to pelvic health and why they should be more proactive when it comes to that? And like, what is your mission when it comes to, you know, what you're sharing and, you know, your show with Pelvic Matters and all that? Um, I mean, what I would love for people to do, I mean, is to just be their own advocate Go get checked out by a pelvic floor physical therapist, even if you haven't had children. I mean, even if you have no symptoms, you know, our healthcare society, it tends to be very reactive instead of proactive. So if you take the initiative and in getting yourself checked out um, to make sure that your pelvic floor is in good condition, it's nice and strong, you don't have any other issues that you're dealing with, um, you know, just think how that may help prevent some other issues down the road, especially as we age. 
um, you know, things like urinary leakage and other things like that, you know, they're not, um, they're not normal, but they tend to show up more as we age because we don't necessarily do things to prevent them. So um, I would really just love for everybody to ideally, I guess, have the attitude that, you know, let me go see my pelvic floor therapist, you know, once a year to get things checked out. I mean, we do that with other doctors and other specialties, um, you know, but we don't think that way about our pelvic floor. And it's really because we just don't see it. It's not on our mind. Um, it's not a visible part of our body. It's internal. Um, so we tend not to remember it. Um, but really, if everybody took that time to do that, you know, maybe once a year, maybe it'll be so helpful just improving, you know, somebody's quality of life either now or down the road, um, you know, and that might make a, a big difference for them. Yeah. So you're saying just in general, like it should be something that's kind of in our to do's of like when you have your physical checkup, just normal like body checkup and you have other kinds of checkups that you do, you know, dentist, doctor, whatever it may be, you're saying that there should also be a pelvic health checkup, whether you have gotten pregnant or had a baby, just in general for all health? In general, yes, because pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic floor issues aren't exclusive to women who've gone through pregnancy and childbirth. Um, it's, it's really anybody, um, including men as well. So it's not just um, women who've had babies. So really just anybody um, would benefit from just from seeing a pelvic floor specialist to say, you know what, like, you know what, I want to know what's going on down here. I want to know if I have the right strength of these muscles. And, you know, if there's something else going on, maybe some back pain or hip pain or, um, you know, something else like that, like a therapist may even be able to say, well, you know, if we work on this, maybe some of those other aches and pains will improve because everything in our body is connected. So, um, even if you aren't feeling any kind of symptoms in your pelvic floor per se, but maybe you're somebody who has, you know, longstanding back pain, like that might be the missing piece to your, um, you know, to your treatment plan to getting more results and to, for getting more relief for your back. So I would say absolutely it's worthwhile to, you know, for everybody just to get a baseline exam of their, you know, pelvic floor to see how it's doing. That's such a good message, and I've never heard that before, so thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing that with the audience, that it's like really is for all. It's not just because you got pregnant or because you had a baby or whatever it may be. It like really is so important for all of us. So before I let you go, Marina, because real mom life, I know we have to get back to our, our babies. Um, you know, what would you, I guess, what would be people's next steps after listening to this episode? Say someone's like, oh, okay, I want to get I want to try to be proactive instead of reactive, like you're saying. What would be a couple tips of like, you know, what they could do right away when it comes to being more aware of their pelvic health? Oh, that's great. So, I mean, just in general, um, you know, general health tips for your pelvic floor are, you know, taking a look and at your urine and at your stool. So I know that sounds, I know that sounds gross. I'm so used to talking about this stuff. So frankly, so um, if you look at your urine, you know, look at the color because that is a great um, tail sign, tail sign of your hydration. So is your urine a bright yellow color? Is it a pale yellow color? Do you need to get more, you know, water in your diet every day? Um, and then of course with stool. So with adults, I mean, I want to know how the bowel movements are happening. You know, is it difficult? Is it easy? How often do they happen? Um, because that's also 
really important in terms of pelvic floor functioning. Somebody who has an issue with, um, you know, having a bowel movement is probably going to have some pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, and then just in general um, movement uh, for somebody who is sitting at a desk maybe eight hours a day and doesn't get a lot of chance to get up and move around, um, you know, your pelvic floor may be tight and you may have back pain and all of that's connected. So um, there's so many things that, you know, somebody can do just to start taking charge of their, you know, pelvic health immediately. And then to go more um, in depth, you know, hydration, nutrition, movement, those are all great places to start. And then you can always look up, um, there's directories where you can find pelvic floor physical therapists. One is the Pelvic Guru site. Um, she has a worldwide uh, pelvic floor directory. So um, most likely you can find you know, somebody there. But um, really just to jumpstart things is just taking proactive about things that will improve your overall health in general. Just you know, see what you're eating, see what you're drinking. Um, are you having a lot of caffeine? Are you having a lot of acidic juices, um, you know, things like that can definitely impact your, you know, bladder and pelvic health as well. Amazing. So really what you're saying is, and like, I feel like we all are kind of starting to maybe um, pay attention to this more and wake up to this more, but like really everything is so connected. And so obviously what you're sharing with pelvic health is like so much of like little things or big issues in your body could be very much related to that. Yes, absolutely. When I work with people for pelvic health, um, you know, I look at their, I look at the whole body. I have to do a holistic um, assessment and not just look right at the pelvis because there's other things that might be contributing to somebody's system uh, symptoms that are outside of the pelvis. Um, you know, everything in the body truly is connected. So we can't just look at somebody as per body part. You know, we have to look at everybody as a whole person. I love that. That's so awesome. Well, we're going to thank you so much for being here and sharing so much about pelvic health and our pelvic floors. It's obviously really important. I'm going to try to get better about it too. I'm excited to have my virtual with you and everything and experience that. Tell us where we can find you, follow you, if they want to book an appointment with you, whether you know they be local or virtual with obviously everything going on in the world. Go ahead and tell us about all that. Sure. So my Instagram is Marina C Pelvic PT, and my website is www.marinacpt.com. And I just launched my new podcast, Pelvic Matters. Um, so you can follow me on iTunes and hear it basically on any you know on any platform where um, podcasts are shown or or listed. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for Marina being on. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.